Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 236 of No One's Ready for Wrestling as we talk professional wrestling and give my thoughts on the news that I read and the shows that I watch. We are 11 days away towards Halloween, and I know you guys are planning something spooky and having a great time trying trying to plan out your costumes and going trick-or-treating and getting some candy and uh, oh oh I, I can stop now but anyway anyway <clears throat> I am the one the only phoenix that rises from the ashes <laughs> it's your boy Shido Phoenix here and uh, I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in to this episode of this of this podcast lots of stuff to go over man Lots of stuff to talk about. Um, I do got news. We're going to talk Tony Khan, apparently. Matt Hardy says that, um, like, somebody asked Matt Hardy if Tony Khan gets taken advantage by the talent in the industry, what his response was. I'll discuss that with you guys. Sammy Guevara is still dealing with an injury. We got news on MJF. And he's going to be voice acting a role on Justice League Cross Ruby, Superheroes and Huntsmen Part 2. Who is he going to be playing? An AEW star has been seen backstage for the first time in almost a year. We actually got news on NWA. Sound the alarm, sound the alarm. It's something that I don't really talk about, but we got news on NWA. We're also going to talk about Dynamite. We're going to be talking Alberto Del Rio and the WWE rumors. Apparently that got shot down. Carlito, he wanted his old theme music back, which I say yes to that. And the hits keep on getting getting worse for Vince because who um, decided that it was Vince McMahon to lose his creative power and... Vince won't have final say in the Netflix uh, docuseries about his life. We got news on Survivor Series. We got The Rock, possible WrestleMania. We got Logan Paul, Crown Jewel news, and a WWE star that might be returning pretty soon from a hiatus. So, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of pro wrestling and I am just getting my dumbbells ready, doing my inner Akira Tozawa, which is the highlight of that entire week. It's like everything W, mostly everything WWE does, it's like a meme at this point. It's literally a meme in a good way. But I love it. I love it. I I I think this was like I think it's a good time to be a fan. But um, I will talk AEW. First, but um, before we get into that, because something really came up uh, when I was at work work yesterday, um, I talked to my friend Maurice, who I'm really close with, and he told me about the situation with my friend Jacob. And I want to address this because I, I want to try to um, try to help him out because he's been going through so much right now. Um, um, it's really sad to hear what he went through. His mom passed, his girlfriend passed in August, and his stepdad passed this month. Um, Jacob, if you're listening to this, man, my thoughts and prayers are with you. I'm praying for you, dude. Um, just be strong, man. Be strong. You know, we're here for you. 
We're here for you. If you ever need somebody to talk to, I'm here, man. Just know that um you got great friends who are here for you, dude. So if if you guys can do me a favor, just pause for like 10 seconds and just and just like just have a moment of silence right now. Just not only that, but just if I I just want to um let my friend Jacob know that um that we're here. Like anybody who listens to this podcast, just know we're a family. We're here, and just know I, just know I love you, dude. Um. All that being said, if you guys want to follow me on my socials, I know some of my friends are at TwitchCon right now, so all of you guys have fun at TwitchCon. Be safe out there. And I actually put that on my bucket list. Um. Anyway, but all that aside, follow me on on Twitter or X, Shino D Phoenix. I do live tweet for Raw, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown, and on occasions... Any other wrestling shows, I do my Wednesday shoutouts. I'm going to be promoting my content more often. That way you guys can see how good I am as a streamer. Speaking of which, if you're not following me on Kickin' Twitch, what are you waiting for? We're actually growing big on Twitch with our TWA shows, which I'm really proud of. To just to have my vision be a reality, it's, it's an amazing concept. Um... You can follow me on Twitch and Kick, Shino Phoenix. Usually I'm trying to put more focus on Kick, but um it's kind of hard to grow on that platform. It's kind of hard. But um you guys know where you can find me. Um follow me on Instagram, cool man sip. That's CYP by the way. Um like the Facebook page, no one's ready for wrestling. Um follow me on TikTok, Shino D Phoenix. You're gonna be expecting some gaming content on there. Same with my YouTube channel with the YouTube shorts. Um subscribe, Shino D Phoenix. And let's get this out of the way and let let's talk some wrestling. We're gonna start with AEW. And last last episode we talked about Tony Khan's meltdown. We talked about TK's meltdown. And it, and I said in the last episode, Tony Khan has to be a boss because what you're doing is embarrassing yourself in front of like millions of your followers and especially to your roster. Now, Matt Hardy did his Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast and it was about Tony Khan. Now, someone asked... Someone asked him um, if he feels Tony Khan gets taken advantage by the talent or people in the industry. And this is what he said. The answer is yes. I mean, I think it has happened in the past for sure. But you know, I think once you go through those experiences, you learn from them. And I think Tony has done that. I mean, he's learning on the fly. This whole thing is huge is a huge, huge responsibility to be a wrestling promoter. Booker run a, like Booker run a company, especially with all the other stuff that he's going on. So yeah, he's learning on the job while he's doing it. I'm sure he's, there's been people that have taken advantage of his kindness, but he will continue to learn and grow and he will be able to get past that. I'm sure going forward, which 
Like, Tony shouldn't, like, and here's the thing. I'm a nice guy myself. But once you take my kindness for weakness, like, you constantly take my kindness for granted, like, I, I just go off. I will just cut you off like, like that. But if I'm TK, there's one thing he really needs to do. Stop focusing on WWE. Stop focusing on the rival promotion. Focus on growing your promotion and get peop give people a reason to watch your shows. You know, that's one thing he needs to do. That is literally one thing that I ask for Tony Khan to do. And I'm saying it as a fan. I'm not saying it because I hate AEW. I love AEW. I want to see it succeed. But you have to learn a lot of things. Don't, don't let people t use your kindness for your weakness. Alright? That's one thing. Two... Don't tweet stuff on social media that you know, that you know is going to cause a backfire. Like when I talked about what happened in the last episode. If you want to hear my thoughts on that, go ahead, take a listen to it. But like, I feel like that's the thing. He's too damn nice. He's too damn nice. Sometimes you need to put your foot down. You need to put your foot down and Hopefully, he learns. And look, he can't do all of this by himself. It's okay to hire writers. It's okay. Like, that's... And I'm not trying to say be like WWE, but... If you... Like, you want to be creative, you want to be creative, that's fine. Like, you should have the final say. Let people see what you got to say. It's going to be a lot of work, but... Just... Stop. Um, Just stop literally trying to do everything for you like by yourself you got people who can help you you know that's all i just want to, like i want tony khan and his company to succeed i really do and i think everybody i honestly think everybody is in an agreement as well they want to see this company succeed and that's what i want and i think that's what everybody wants so hopefully we get that from uh, Tony Khan. But um, eight. now let's move on to this one. Sammy Guevara, he, we haven't seen him since Wrestle Dream. And apparently he suffered an injury like a concussion during the six-man tag between Will Ospreay, uh, Konosuke Takeshita, where he teamed up with them to, to defeat Jericho, Omega, and Kota Ibushi. Now, Don Callis announced that Guevara wasn't medically cleared to wrestle, so it was reported that he's been, he was hoping to get cleared in time. And Guevara noted that he, on Twitter, he noted that he hasn't been cleared just yet and gave a storyline warning as well to Chris Jericho. And this is what he said, good news and bad news. Bad news I'm not cleared yet. Good news. Every day I'm feeling better. Sorry, Houston. I really wanted to put on a show for y'all. Hopefully next time. Also, fuck Chris Jericho. <laughs> I don't know why that got me. I don't know why that got me, but it it's funny. And, and speaking of Chris Jericho, I said I didn't want to talk about this guy. Now, he reacted to NXT beating, beating Dynamite in the Tuesday Night War. I'm not even going to go over his his rah-rah, like his big cheerleading rah-rah shit. 
like, I, I just want to briefly mention this. Like, it seems to me when I, and I'm an, I'm an observer. I think everybody observes this with their eyes. From what I am seeing, AEW loves to talk more about the ratings. Like, you see it on social media. Like, it's like they want people to engage in it. Like, I don't really give a shit about the ratings. I just want a good wrestling show. I think I speak for any wrestling fan here in particular. Like, I want a good wrestling show. I want to see the best of the best in both companies succeed. That's it. That's it. That's not hard. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them thrive. I want them to be successful. Like, I just don't like... Like, and I'm being real when I say this. I do not like... Um, I don't like the the ego that's driven when it comes to competing with other wrestling companies. I, I don't like it. And I, I just want both parties to be successful. That That's all. I, I think everybody is in an agreement with that. But all I can say is, this is what all, all I'm going to say. I think... The, like I said this in the last episode, just focus on your product. You could cheer about the ratings, but don't focus on the competition. You say it's an alternative, act like an alternative. Just act like it. Don't worry about... Um, I'm about to go on a rant right now. Don't worry about your the machine. Don't worry about WWE because, look, here, and here's the thing. I've noticed this when I watch Dynamite. Like... Like it was a, it was a meh show, but it was still good. It just progressed some of the stuff. Like you just got good matches. And the big thing was Sting, which we will talk about later. And I'm just thinking to myself, is it me, or is the product a little cold right now? Because every wrestling company has their cold period. WWE has it. New Japan has it. Impact has it. NWA has it. Most of the time they have it. And MLW can have it. Stardom can have a, a cold uh, season right now. AEW's on the cold path. And, and that's where they're at. Like, I, I just want them to realize that just focus on the attendance. Focus on building new stars. Because... You don't have Adam Cole. You don't have CM Punk. Build some... I mean, MJF is like your biggest star right now. But other than that, it's just... The product feels cold. That's all I can say. It just feels cold. There's legit less star power. Like, you got some stars, but some of them are just eh. Some are not even built up yet. Some are... Like, you're hitting the reset buttons. I, I don't know. But, um, it's just, eh. That's all I can say. It's, 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 it's just meh. It's just meh. And I hope AEW can fix that. That's all I want. Now, I did mention MJF. MJF will be having a new acting role lined up to him. He will be featured in the upcoming Justice League Cross Ruby Superheroes and Huntsman Part 2. And he will portray... Oh, and this is a good one. He's going to portray Killer Croc. It is directed by 
if I butchered this name, I am sorry. Yasa Badiola and Dustin Matthews, while Megan Fritz Martin wrote it, the synopsis of the movie reads like this. After the adventures of Remnant Cyberspace, courtesy of Kilgore's, the Justice League return to Earth. However, they find the Grim. They find the Grim have followed them, <coughs> and somehow du duplicating their powers, bringing Black Canary up to speed. The League is forced to seek out Team Ruby for help. Now, a new preview. Now, I didn't see the preview of the clip, but I'm definitely gonna watch it after after I finish recording. But this is a good thing and. Look, MJF, I know he can act. I know he can sing. The man can do it all. And I think he could be one of the biggest stars in AEW. And I firmly believe, and I think everybody and their grandmothers believe that MJF inked the New Deal secretly with Tony Khan. And he's just playing this bid in war of 2024. We we all know he he signed. We all know that he signed with um with AEW. He's probably re-signed for the next five years or three years or who knows. But he ain't going anywhere. I, I firmly believe he's not going nowhere. But um, I can't wait to see what MJF does on the, uh, on, uh, on this movie. I, I'm really excited for that. Um, now it looks like we may be seeing one star that could be returning and that person is somebody who I've been saying, Serena Deeb. Where the hell is she? Now, Serena Deeb made her debut on September 2nd of 2020's episode of Dynamite, where she lost to then-NWA women's champion Thunder Rosa in her first match since 2017. Deeb hasn't been seen in, a, in nearly a year, as she was regularly used as on AEW television until she worked at the AEW Dark Elevation tapings on October 18, 2022. As previously reported last month, Deeb had some backstage heat before disappearing. And Fightful reports that the former NWA Women's Champion was backstage at last Saturday's AEW Collision event. Those at the show who spoke with Fightful noted they didn't see her at any AEW shows this year. And the area was at, she was at Collision, isn't anywhere near where she would have just been visiting. Now, two versions about her hiatus that led to her absence have gone around her significant disagreement with management back in 2022. Or the version where she told wrestlers that she was sidelined with an injury this year. Now... It depends on, like, I'd rather hear from Serena Deeb's mouth because if she was dealing with an injury, then that could be a legit reason. That's a case you can make. Now, now I don't know if it was the last year or two, or two years ago because she was at the, um, the Wildcat show when she took on Jasmine Allure. And I know this. Like, I know this 100% because usually I go to every Wildcat show, but sadly I had to miss one because of my uncle's birthday because that's important. I have to be with my family. But um, I did see her at the Wildcat show 
I don't know if it was last year or this year. And I am literally just doing my double take to make sure that my hypothesis is correct. I believe it's last year that I saw Serena Deeb. Either this last year or two years ago. But um, I can honestly tell you if it's the backstage heat, that's if that's the reason why we haven't seen Serena Deeb, backstage heat could be one of the reasons. It could be one of the reasons. But um, wait, I think I might be right. This was, yeah, back in July. Back in July, she wrestled us Serena Deeb. Back in July 31st, I remember. Like, my memory had to come back. But I don't know if she's going to be on collision. If so, then that's a that's a good place for her. I mean, God knows she's really good in the ring. But hopefully, if it's a disagreement with management, I hope they resolve these issues. But if it's an injury, I hope she's cleared. That's all that matters to me the most. Now, AEW Dynamite took place at the Ford Bend Epic Center in Rosenberg, Texas. Like I said, this was a like it was a good show, but I just said, "Meh." That's all it was. It was good, but meh. But we had good matches. Case in point, Jay White against Penta El Cierto Miedo kicked off the show and it was a good match. I thought this was a really, really fun match. And um, Penta got the win. Penta got the win uh, over, not Penta, JY got the win over Penta because he got distracted by Juice Robinson. And Blade Blade Runner, one, two, three, that's it. Now, after the match... Jay gets on the microphone and says, I'm still waiting for MJF to respond to his offer, and he presumes it's because he can't find a partner. Now, Robinson then says that in the main event, I'm going to win the Battle Royal and win the right to face MJF for the Dynamite Diamond Ring, which is going to pawn to another gold tooth. And... We'll get to the main event. Like, the other stuff is just... Like, the promo was solid. It was solid for what it was. But it was just eh. We go to Renee Paquette, who is backstage with MJF, who, by the way, is still holding the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Let me address the elephant in the room right now, because it's about time somebody has to call them out. Adam Cole just got ankle surgery. There's no timetable for his return. Why is M... Like, and here's another thing. I don't think I've ever seen Adam Cole or MJF in, like, appear on Ring of Honor this year. You know? So what's the point of having MJF hold the Ring of Honor tag titles when his partner is out with an injury? You know where I'm going with this? It just makes no sense. Just vacate the titles. Have a tournament or some shit like that. Because you know TK loves tournaments just as much as I do. Crown new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Like, I get it. You want to keep it on MJF to keep the story going. But it's doing damage to the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles when one half of your partner is not even fucking there. 
You know? Like, I have to address it because at this point it makes no sense. Just vacate the damn titles. We don't know when Adam Cole is going to come back. Vacate it. But, um, anyway, he says he could have run out like a good guy, but he isn't, he isn't because I'm a scumbag and I'm not just a scumbag. I'm there. I'm the fans scumbag. He prays that Robinson wins tonight as there will be blood between them and that will be in the hands of white. He is ready to give an update on Adam Cole when the acclaim came out and they suggest that they should team up and he gets MJF's belt back and they could do the scissoring and MJF says no. So Max Caster says he might enter the battle royal and then MJF will have to put a ring on it. If you like it, then you should have put like that line. I'm sorry, that got me. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. You know that's that's one of my favorite songs from B. I mean, there's so many songs I love with Beyonce, but I mean, single ladies, let let still great, still one of the best songs from Beyonce. But that 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 backstage segment I thought was pretty good. Okay, I thought it was pretty good. We had Emi Sakura taking on Hikaru Shida. This was not for the um, AEW Women's Championship. This was just an eliminator. I thought they had a really good match. I thought they had a really good match with Hikaru Shida getting the win. And all I can say is that it was good. It was good for what it was. We go to Adam Copeland, who was shown speaking to Renee Paquette. And he admits, I'm still confused as as the idea of coming here was to end my career with Christian Cage. And you know, it still feels weird. Like, it still feel, feels weird, weird calling him Adam Copeland and not calling him Edge. It's it's a habit. Um, he sounded on board with it until it got real. Then he sat down this week and replayed their relationship. Recalls how they became best friends over the love over the love of uh, wrestling as kids. He recalls him getting the dream gig and he told them about his partner and he believes Cage is the most underrated person in wrestling, but he thinks them being talked about together is a cancer that Cage, not Brian, has let fester. Now he's surprised that there's still jealousy between them and he knows Cage is riding high. He came first. And Copeland doesn't want. um, Like he doesn't want to take a spotlight. And. But he knows Cage will come crashing to the ground. He says I won't fight him. But he, he will be the one to pick him up. When Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne drop him. So I thought this was a nice sit down with Renee and Adam Copeland and just him explaining why he came to AEW. Like it's just a typical, I want to end my career. Um, I want to end my career with my partner because I want to do Edge and Christian again. Even though they did trademark rated FTR. So you definitely might see a tag team, a little state trios right there. Um, 
But I thought this was good. You had Wardlow, he squashed Ryan Nemeth with one power bomb. That was it. That was all he wrote. Typical squash match. Now, after the match, Tony Schiavone asks Wardlow, what is he back for? He doesn't say anything. He has something on his wrist taped up, and it says MJF. He barges past Tony Schiavone, and he knocks him to the floor. Now, again, if there's anybody that I could definitely see, and I don't see any, like, I, I don't like playing the jump and ship game, but if there's anybody I see jump and ship is Wardlow. WWE will snatch the guy up in a heartbeat. Like, I just hope, like, if this is a tease for him going after MJF, and I hope they talk about that pipe bomb that literally, that literally um, overshadowed his win at Double or Nothing two, year, two years ago. And, like, it looks like he wants... um. MJF's world title. I think that's what they're building towards, but there's some history with MJF and Wardlow, and it looks like they're trying to restart on Wardlow, but he's now has three victims. He has he got Griff Garrison, he got Matt Seidel, and now you can add Ryan Nemeth to the list. Renee Paquette is backstage with Kenny Omega and says this year has been pretty tough. He doesn't want to be reminded of his win-loss record, but Kyle Fletcher has reminded him that he's the measuring stick in AEW. Um, and maybe once he'll beat, once he beats Kyle and gets going again, he'll go after the world title. Now another tease, because you got Wardlow, you got Kenny Omega. Now MJF rolls up and says, "Just wanted to let Kenny know that I've always admired you. I'm a big fan." And he wanted to shake his hand, and Omega accepts it. He pulls him close and whispers, 13 days, bitch. And we go on break. We go on the break part of the show. So, again, MJF wants... Not, not MJF. Wardlow wants MJF. You got you got um, Kenny Omega, who wants the world title. So, pr pretty much, they got some of these challengers for MJF. Like, literally waiting in the in the wings. He's currently dealing with Jay White right now. But, um... It, it, it did what it had to do. It, it was a nice tease. And the Kenny Omega of old... If we see that Kenny Omega of old, I would be, I would be on board 100%. We are shown Adam Cole at Roddy's house. And you got Mike Bennett... Reworking the lyrics to Headstrong, calling it Next Strong. We're Next Strong. Now, he give, now Adam Cole gives Roddy some coffee. He spits it out saying that he hates hot coffee. Tell me about it, Roddy. I hate coffee more than anything. I don't like coffee. Um, Cole says he's out, he, out of here, but Strong apologizes. And he's craving Cole's uh, PB&J sandwiches. And Strong complains... About that, but Cole flips and says, I'm done. And Strong says he will have to be nice to to that scumbag to get his friend back. So it looks like even both who are injured, they're dealing with their own storylines. It looks like Adam Cole is having enough of Roddy's BS while you got 
like I don't know what's how I could describe it. It's just hilarity. That's the best way I could say it. It's comedy. Now Tony Schiavone, he's in the ring with Don Callis. He introduces him, and Don says that they made history last week when Will Hobbs broke Chris Jericho in half, manhandling handling him like no one ever. He talked about how February 22nd, 1998 was supposed to be the greatest day of his life. He had a chance to meet his hero, Chris Jericho, front row tickets, and he walked past his grandma, told her to shut up and, and him to sit his ass down. A seven-year-old child. He swore that the day he got to look him dead in the eye, he heard him over and over and over again. Callis takes back and puts over Will before saying Kyle Fletcher screwed the Don Callis family, which brings out Kyle Fletcher. And he says, you got a lot of balls coming down here. And he says, I did that match as a favor after Osprey told him Callis was on his knees begging. Maybe the weakest link that, maybe he was the weakest link that night. But he has another chance with Omega and he's going to prove that he doesn't need anybody's help to beat Omega. Now, Callis says he likes the confidence, and if he wins, they'll have a conversation, which Kenny and Kyle, they had a good match. And I will say this about Kyle Fletcher. Kyle Fletcher is really great. You've seen him, what he could, you've seen what he could do on his own, and I think he has a future star. Um, There's a bright future waiting for him if they play their cards right, but clearly Kenny Omega needed this win, definitely needed this win, and... We'll see where they go from here. It looks like um, he might go after every member of the Don Callis family. I don't know, but we'll see. Now, Lance Archer. We haven't seen Lance Archer in forever. God knows where the hell has he been. He killed Barrett Brown. He squashed him like a bug. It's good to see Lance Archer back on Dynamite. When was the last time we've seen him on Dynamite? I could barely recall. Now, we had a preview of Swerve Strickland's music video, Big Pressure, which I did watch. It's really good. And they promote that new video, which I will recommend watching it. It's really good. And Strickland says he should be celebrating that while also being a TNT champion. And he said that's Hangman's fault. He warns him that you don't want to go to war with someone who gives less of a damn than him. And he says it's not always you that pays for your actions. And I like that. I thought this was really good. I thought this was really, really good. And again, I'm I'm really intrigued by this feud with um Swerve and with Swerve and uh Hangman Page. I, I, I enjoy it. I really do. Like, honestly, I, I just love it. And Swerve is a big star. I honestly think Swerve has the potential to be uh, an AEW world champion. I want that to happen. I honestly believe that should happen. Now we get to the big part. This was the thing I focused on the most. Tony Schiavone, he's in the ring, and he introduces... <clears throat> it's So Sting comes out and he says, I want to reflect on all the years traveling up and down the road with the people like 
Lex Luger, the Steiners. They look at the generation ahead of them with guys like Dust, Dusty Rhodes and Hulk Hogan, who, by the way, got booed. He got booed. And Sting played it off. And he said, look, I did learn something from him. And he also wants to give a lot to Ric Flair, which probably is one of his best rivalries throughout his entire career as a professional wrestler, in my honest opinion. The Ric Flair-Sting rivalry will go down as one of the best. Um, They used to wonder why these guys hung on. But now he's here and he understands why. Sting says people are thinking that he's retired once already. But the one in 2015 didn't sit right with him. And I agree 100%. Like, he took a buckle bomb from Seth Rollins. That was a dumb spot during his run in WWE. And they just had to retire him because they didn't want to risk possibly him being on a wheelchair. But, um... Plus, there was a key moment in that speech which he's referring to the Hall of Fame, was that the only thing about Sting is that nothing is for sure. Sting wants to address the word retirement because he started Revolution. He started his his AEW debut started, his in-ring debut started at Revolution 2021. And his very last match will be at Revolution next year. He says the key thing is that retirement in 2024 is for sure. And look, enjoy Sting while you still have guys because 2024, this will be the last time we're going to see Sting in uh, a wrestling ring. And I got to give Tony Khan credit. I have to give him him credit for what um he has done and how he has booked Sting. Like, people don't realize, and I mean this wholeheartedly, like, people don't realize how good Tony Khan has booked Sting. Like, I think he's done it better. Like, he's done it better. I don't care what anybody says. He has done an excellent job on booking Sting. Not overexposing him. He didn't need to over. He doesn't overexpose the guy. He knows how to book Sting, and I think he did a tremendous job with him. Now, as for his opponent, we don't know who Darby Allen is not going to be the guy. We don't know who that guy is. But I, like I said, Tony Khan. Speaking of which, he has a gift for Sting next week. Now, what could it be? I don't know. And the one thing that popped in my mind. Isn't Ric Flair, isn't he a free agent right now? He's not contracted. He's not under a Legends deal with WWE. He's a legit free agent. I would not be surprised if um Tony Khan brings in Ric Flair. I would not be surprised if he does that. That's a possibility. That's a gift right there. But the question is, who is going to face Sting one last time? Could be anybody. Anybody not Darby Allen. Maybe MJF. I don't know. If he goes back to his heel roots. I, I don't think so. But um, all I can say is I, I enjoy Sting. Like Sting's done it all. He wrestled in NWA. He wrestled in 
in WWE. He wrestled in Impact. He wrestled in, uh, I believe he wrestled in Japan. New Japan and Noah. And he ends his career in AEW. I know I'm forgetting another promotion. I know I am, but I think Sting had one hell of a run throughout his entire career. I, I honestly think that 100%. But enjoy Sting while you still can, guys. Because, like, next year is going to be the last time we see Sting in a wrestling ring. Like, competing. Now, we had a backstage segment with JR. He's sitting down with Nick Wayne and his mother. And Nick Wayne's mom admits that it was shocking what went down with her son and Darby Allen, As he has been like a brother. She says it's out of character and the things that Christian Cage has said about his father. She doesn't recognize her son right now. She puts her hand on his leg, but he pushes it away. And says it was always Darby getting congratulated. So he's proven why he's here. And he has a new father figure now. Better than his father ever was. And this brings out Christian. I like Christian Cage as a heel man. Like, And I, I, I gotta be real. I think he's having the best run of his entire wrestling career. And he is such a douchebag. Like, he is like a legitimate douchebag that you want to punch in the face. And Cage comes in and he says, you should have picked up the phone. So he goes to walk away and his mom, Nick Wayne's mom, tries to prevent her. She, he pushes her away and Nick's mom slaps her in the face and she instantly regrets it. And he says that you're dead to me. So they leave out and we hear a bunch of commotion going on outside and we see Darby Allen attacking Nick Wayne. Then you got the brawl continues in the arena. You see the numbers game coming. Sting comes out to make the save. And Nick Wayne, he might have chipped the tooth because you can see blood coming out of his mouth. So I know a dentist you should go see. And she works for this company. Her name is Britt Baker. But I thought this was I thought this was fine to establish um Nick Wayne's new character. They're just getting started with Nick Wayne. As um as a heel. Like, yes, the heel turn happened at Wrestle Dream, but they're just giving him more um emotion to say the least. But it was good for what it was. Now we go backstage for with Renee Paquette. She's with best friends and Chris Statlander, and they're promoting Battle of the Belts number eight. Honestly, I do not care about Battle of the Belts. I know there's some people who watches Battle of the Belts, but I do not care about it. But um she says she's proven her title is as great is above is about great wrestling. And she wants to give a title shot to someone who deserves it and someone who she respects. And that's Willow Nightingale. Now, Orange Cassidy says he didn't understand the saying you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And he sees the international championship and he says, I have unfinished business. And this Saturday, he has something to prove. So, I know he's going to be defending his title against either, I think, John Silver, Isaiah Cassidy, or Johnny TV. I don't know. But uh, I clearly don't watch Rampage. I I just stopped watching Rampage. But we had... The main event was the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. I'm not going to go over all the participants. 
But it was really obvious Juice Robinson was going to win that. And you had a brawl with MJF and Jay White. MJF briefly got his title back, but he got low-blowed by Jay White. And Jay White took his title again. So, highway robbery. So, next week on Dynamite, Juice Robinson is going to take on MJF for the Dynamite uh, Diamond Ring. And all I can say is... All I can say is... It's going to be good, I guess. I could see them fucking MJF over and Juice wins it, but... I don't think that might happen. I think the acclaim, and I'm just throwing a wild guess. I think the acclaim is going to come out, even the odds. MJF wins, keeps the dynamite uh, diamond battle ring. And we're heading into the races for full gear. Now, overall, like I said, it, it, it was a good show, but it just feels meh. And you can tell by watching the show that AEW is on a cold cold period right now and the show shows it you got good wrestling but I just want to be invested a little bit more like I want to see the AEW that had an excellent um all in back in 2021 like still one of their best shows to date and they rolled that momentum and for like I, I just I don't know what's going on but they have to fix something but like I, like I said, it was a fine episode, just not their strongest episode. Last week was their strongest because the match, the matches they had was excellent last week. This week felt like a come down. Now, moving on, I do want to talk about NWA. And this is a big news coming out of NWA. Now, NWA president and owner Billy Corgan has recently dropped a teaser regarding big news for his promotion that he purchased back in 2017. Now, he noted that he has signed two TV deals with a top 20 network. No other details were provided, but Hoss of Wrestling broke the news today that the network is in fact the CW. Per the report, while some logistics are being worked out, an official announcement should be coming relatively soon. The two programs that are slated to air on the network will be NWA Power and a reality TV show about the day-and-day behind-the-scenes business of the NWA. Corrigan has wanted to do a reality TV show for a while, and that came close while running Resistance Pro Wrestling in Chicago, as he had signed a deal with A&E to produce one, but the network pulled the plug on the reality show content thus forcing them to scrap the project. The show is currently filming and is expected to be done soon. Power will be will air before the reality show, but it's still unclear whether it will be a one-hour program or two. It won't be live as it's described as Powers will be, will be pre-taped episodes in blocks as Impact Wrestling does for access. Now, this is a big deal for the promotion, and gives wrestlers another place to work on a bigger scale. Now, I'm happy for Billy Corgan. I just hope he makes the right decisions. And not put the belt on Tyrus again. Because that run was abysmal. Still to this day, I think that was one of the most abysmal runs I have ever seen. When it comes to a championship reign. But, um, I just hope they, I hope it goes well. Like, I don't cover NWA that often. But 
I hope they do well. That's all that matters. I just want them to do well. Hey, you. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do you like video games? Do you like watching me play video games? Are you into gaming? Well, what better way to see me in action playing different types of games like Fall Guys, uh, Splatoon 2, Chroma Squad, and many others? What better way to find me on Twitch? Twitch is my favorite place to stream, and uh, all I can say is you can, you're going to see greatness in me and gaming. Because I like to entertain my followers and just chat with them, see how their lives are, how their lives are going, and you get to watch everything that I do for fun. I got it's been four years since I got back into streaming. You know, like I was the last game I streamed was uh, Overwatch. But if you or your friends like video games as much as I do. And you want to see me play it on Twitch, which I stream every Saturday. Make sure you follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. Just Shino Phoenix. And you get to see how fun it is to be a Twitch streamer. If you want to be a Twitch streamer yourself, make sure you make an account. And you get to do great things as well. So, again, make sure you follow me. Twitch. .tv slash Shino Phoenix. Once again, follow me, Shino Phoenix. And now, back to our daily show. Now, in life, you always hear about rumors about somebody returning to the company. Now, some can be accurate. And sometimes people like to throw rumors for the sake of throwing rumors. Every year, there will always be rumors that Alberto El Patron, some of you might know him as Alberto Del Rio, is returning to WWE. Now, El Patron has worked only a dozen of matches in recent years, and as he has been facing four counts of second-degree sexual assault, and one count of a aggravated kidnapping dating all the way back into May of 2020 when he was arrested. However, the case against him was later dismissed. WWE has previously denied that there have been any talks about bringing him back. In December of 2021, FIFO reported being told by multiple promotions, WWE, MLW, and Impact Wrestling, that they have no interest in bringing in a former WWE champion. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select reported that despite Del Rio saying that he was planning to make a return to WWE last year before Vince McMahon retired and later pushed his way back into the company, that wasn't the case. When asked about it, one WWE higher-up said, and I quote, No fucking chance. That's all you need to know. Alberto Del Rio, he's a dipshit. I call him Alberto Del Dipshit. And after the shit with uh, Soraya and 
just that that stuff went bad and hit just hit his life in general like just the law and all that other stuff like WWE does not want to do business with Alberto Del Dip shit like and I really mean that wholeheartedly like I don't think anybody wants to do business with this guy like and and here's another thing if WWE brings back Alberto Del Rio like think about this if they bring him back that's just bad publicity Think about the sponsorship they'll lose. Think about all the momentum they're riding right now. It will be just a bad, bad um, um, influence on their part. They they don't want that. And that's the only thing I can say about it. They don't need, like, they don't need that um, that mindset. And and I mean that wholeheartedly. They don't. Because WWE right now is in a really good position right now. They are in a really, really good position. And I cannot fathom seeing them get this guy back and then all of that goes down the toilet. They don't need Alberto Del Rio. Like, they don't need him. He's not even needed anyway. So, other than that... I say good on WWE. They don't, there's no chance of him bringing him back. None whatsoever. They don't need it. They don't need all that bad publicity. Now let's talk about Carlito. Carlito, he made his return at Fastlane, which is honestly the worst kept secret. <laughs> I think everybody knew Carlito was coming back, but he came back to new theme music and I'm kind of indifferent on it because I like his old theme music better. Now, he did talk about his new theme song on the Ring of Wrestling show, and this is what he had to say. He said, they ran it by me, they wanted to change it, I wasn't crazy about changing it, like, I, like everyone else, wanted to keep it. I liked it the way it was, but you know, they said we want to change it, and I was like, alright, let's see what we can do. They asked for my input here and there, and I say we could use a little more bass, more drums. Little things like that. Then the lines I wanted to change. I didn't want the old lines from before. I wasn't crazy about it, but I found it... I found it was like one of those earworms where I'd be humming it to myself during the day. I find myself humming it here without even noticing. It grew on me a little bit. People don't like change. I'm not crazy about change. But I think something that needs to be done and... That is something that needs to be done, and you know, just do something to put a fresh coat of coat of paint on everything. And look, and I'm, I was really happy to see him return. I really do. Like I, I I'm really ha- am, but he's in tremendous shape. And honestly, honestly, I would love. Like, and I'm being real when I say this. They could have kept this old theme music, but hey. It's going to take a while for me to get used to this new theme music. Just like they did it with Gunther. Just like they did it with Asuka. They did it with Charlotte. Um, pretty much anybody. They did it with Ricochet. Like, I'm still not over Ricochet's theme. I prefer the original theme. And all I can say is going to take time. That's all I can say. It's going to take time. 
Now, let's talk about this story about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. What is his status going to be for next year's WrestleMania? Now, you know, WWE has tried to make The Rock versus Roman Reigns happen, but it has yet to happen. The only way you can make that happen is if you play WWE 2K, and then you can make your dreams a reality. Now, The Rock gave insight into the situation in September while making an appearance on the Pat McAfee show. He noted that heading into WrestleMania 39, the match was locked in, and they were doing it. He confirmed he made a handshake deal to do it after a meeting with WWE back in LA. However, things fell apart because they wanted to do something that would change the business and couldn't come up with something that would do exactly that, so they stopped the talks for the moment. Now, he said that he's open to a match with Roman at WrestleMania 40 next year in Philadelphia. Now, Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated reported today, not today, um, he reported that the decision about WrestleMania will not be The Rock's uh, call to make, nor is the main event even a topic of substance. There are currently no plans for this to happen. The report pointed out that even if WWE offered him the match, it's unclear whether The Rock would accept because of a busy schedule with the XFL, the movie career, and other business ventures. So, clearly, it won't happen. It won't happen. We know it's not going to happen. But, um, all I could say on that is, and this is just me when I say it, um, all I could say, they already teased what the big matches are going to be going into, uh, into WrestleMania next year. We know Jimmy and Jay is going to be one. There's Roman and Cody, which we know is going to happen again. We know it's going to happen again. And um, all I could say, like as much as how The Rock and Roman can be a big, big, big match for this company, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. Like, especially with a schedule like that, it's just remotely impossible to have it happen. That's just how I see it. But if that match was going to happen, not not at WrestleMania 40, but let's say WrestleMania 41, if they somehow manage to work out a deal, then they will be promoting this shit like crazy. Like, legitimately crazy. They don't even need a fucking title to main event the show. Because that would be the biggest match in Roman Reigns' career. And I could definitely see that about who's truly the head of the table. That would be the story right there. But other than that, it ain't happening. Now let's get into the big, big stories. Let's talk about this one. And reading this on the 16th of October... Literally made me like Ari Emanuel even more. It made me appreciate Ari Emanuel on that Monday. Now, despite Vince McMahon and Ari Emanuel publicly stating that it was Ari who made it clear that he wanted McMahon to remain with the with WWE following Endeavor's acquisition of the company to merge it with the UFC to create TKO Holdings Group, plans 
have changed. Now, as previously reported, and we talked about this, McMahon is no longer involved with the creative end of things. We talked about it in the last episode. He not, Triple H got knighted by Endeavor, and he will be driven, like driving 99.9% of the creative moving forward. Now, it was later reported that Triple H is in charge with WWE sources, making it clear that McMahon is not involved creatively at the moment. Now, last week, Emmanuel spoke to Bloomsburg's Scream Time Conference, and he blamed the TKO price going down to a few different reasons. The Saudi Arabian investment in the PFL, reports about NBCU being out of the mix for Raw's rights, and McMahon's who is still being investigated by the feds over the hush money scandal. While speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Melson noted, Emmanuel made the call, like Ari Emanuel made the call himself, to have McMahon be away from the creative product. Already Ari is my favorite person right now, but you know things could change. This is what Melsa said. Well, he's out of creative. I mean, it's a big story because Ari Emanuel, when they were on the verge of closing a deal and had actually closed the deal in April, went around and did media rounds. Vince will be in charge of the company. And if I and Vince have a disagreement, it goes the way Vince wants because Vince is the guy. So then the deal went through and it only went through about a month ago and already... Vince is out of creative because of Ari Emanuel. So this is really interesting because it is the first time that Vince is now in a position that his father was in 84 when his father had run the company for years and years and years. And he was just an employee of Vince Jr., Vincent Kennedy McMahon was the guy making all the decisions, and now Vince was in fact overruled. Even though when he merged the company, he was told this would not happen. It did happen. It's a really interesting thing that, in that statement, when Ari Emanuel was talking about the reason the stocks is down, and he mentioned Vince's name, it is very interesting, but I think what is going on is, what is going to happen, but Vince's power clearly marginalized. There's no way around that. Now, Brian asked, so what was his argument to take Vince out of power? Melsa replied, I don't know. That's, I don't know what the argument was. He made the call. That's all. Now, he said, I have heard it was something that the effects of someone when, should when someone is hired, they should do their jobs. And of course, since Hunter's job is that, he's in charge of creative. He should do his job and not have somebody else overruling his job. Which is true. So, I I mean, it sounds good to me. I'm glad the guy's out. Hey, I'm not the only... Like, I'm just adding. I'm You're not the only one. I'm glad that he's out too. Well, I mean, it's going to be... I mean, like, it's going to make more sense... Is not going to be torn up. I mean, they still may tear up some stuff late, but it's not. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop it right there. I'm just gonna stop it right there. But like, I am happy that Vince is no longer in creative. That way, you don't have to hear reports of scripts being ripped up like 30 minutes before the show and being rewritten. 
plans constantly changes. Vince giving up on talent A. Like, and you see the same fucking shit over and over and over again. It's like Groundhog's Day with the WWE. Like, it's legitimately Groundhog's Day. But to see Vince literally removed from creative is a great thing. Because, look, the Raw last week was one of the best shows that I've ever seen. Raw this week was a really good show. And that momentum continues. All of this is the product of Triple H and his vision. Because he wants, and this is just me, he wants to, um, how would I put this? Like Triple H, he just wants everybody to have an opportunity to be on television. Like Vince, you if it was under Vince, you wouldn't even see a Johnny Gargano. You wouldn't see uh, a Tegan Knox or a Zia Lee. Like you're seeing more focus on the women on Monday Night Raw. Some of the people who have not been seen, you know, like some people who can get a push and then they just stop for no reason because Vince doesn't like A or B because of them. Like it's one of those things. You see where this is going. If there's one thing I love about Triple H's vision, he gives a damn and he cares about every talent in there, like in that perspective. People gravitate towards Triple H because of his vision. You go back to the black and gold era of NXT. Like literally. Go back to the era where he ran NXT. And it was one of the best weekly television shows that beat Raw and SmackDown. It was one of the best shows that just shows, hey, this is how the main roster should be booked. And he's going to bring some of that NXT juice to the main roster. Now granted... Some people may not understand. Some people may be silent because they don't know what to like how to make of this guy. Like we could go on and on about this. But it it's just how Triple H plays his cards and I believe he's going to play his card right. That's just me in my honest opinion. So what I see from this you don't have to hear stories about scripts being torn up, 30-minute uh, changes during the show. The only time there's change that's going to happen during the show is if somebody is hurt. That's the only time you're going to hear about um, a change being made in the show. But I'm happy that Vince is out of creative. I'm happy that he's out of creative because we don't need to see this guy run this company to the ground again. We don't. We don't need it. Literally. WWE is at a point where they are legitimately on a hot streak right now. They are on the hottest streak in um right now. Like th- the company's never been this hot. And I really mean it when I say it. This company has never been this hot. And it's how they handle it. It's how they book it. WWE is at a point right now that if they keep this momentum going, some people might even think about coming to WWE. And they could have hope that they can succeed 
Because if it was still Vince, they would have just thought thought of an eyelash and go to another wrestling promotion. But the company is hot right now. And Ari Emanuel sees that under the vision of Triple H. Like, it's funny. Like, and I mentioned this in the last episode. It's funny. Vince thought if he sells it to Ari Emanuel, he's going to get the power that he deserves back. Only for him to get played by, um... Only to get played by Ari Emanuel says, nope. We're giving it to Triple H, which is a great thing. But that's not even all about Vince. I want to talk about this. So the Ringer founder, Bill Simmons, has given an update on the docuseries on the life and career of Vince McMahon. Now, this was first announced during the third quarter 2020 financial call that they had teamed up with Netflix to air, air it with Simmons, serving as an executive producer, while Chris Smith best known for Fire, the greatest party that never happened, was named the director. And at the time, it was WWE touted it would be the highest budgeted Netflix docuseries of all time. While speaking at the Bloomberg Screen Time event, Simmons noted that while McMahon will get a look at the clips, he won't be able to give notes before the final cut of the docuseries. Even the director and producer of this docuseries don't want Vince to change anything. So this is what we got. This is what he said. We have this Vince McMahon documentary that we've been working on for three years. I think has a chance to be really great. I really think it has a chance to be the best one I've been involved with. And I'll be interested to see what people think about that one because it took a lot of time and it was one where Netflix still had the final cut of it. And it's a little more old school with the 30s for 30 model. And I think it has a chance to be really special. He gets to see it, but he doesn't get to change anything. <laughs> and again, it's just another case where Vince doesn't want nothing to be changed. They're just going to ride the motion like they show the clip i don't know when the docuseries is coming out but hey at least vince doesn't have to get his grubby little hands on it we are literally seeing the fall of vince as we speak that's the best way i can describe it we are seeing the fall of vince as we speak like he literally got played like a fiddle literally like a fiddle <laughs> i got nothing but this is a great thing. This is a great thing. Triple H is in charge of creative, which is great. Bill Simmons, he doesn't want Vince to make any changes to the docuseries. That's another good thing. And all I can say is, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Now, speaking of wins, it looks like Survivor Series is sold out. Now... WrestleTix reports that after tickets went on sale on July 21st, it sold out on October 15th with 12,928 being sold and is set up for 12,943 with 367 tickets still available for resale. Now, they also made changes due to the strong demand and... They've expanded the setup, now holding over 15,000 seats 
and more than 2,700 in initially, no, in, yeah, initially configured tickets. Now they will have a smaller setup, meaning a, spe a special stage setup will be in place. And this is according to WrestleTix. And if we get a special stage setup, I, I will be on board with that because right now I I'm just tired of seeing the basic generic um, freaking, you know, big screen for the Titantron. Like, I want to see something, like, new, something fresh. And hopefully Survivor Series does that. And I can't wait to see what this new setup looks like. And uh, I hope it looks good. That's all That's all I'm hoping for. I just hope that it looks good. But Survivor Series, selling really well. And I would not be surprised if they sell out again. With the uh, addition, additional tickets being added. Like I said, if you want proof that WWE is white hot right now, there it is right there. There it is right there. WWE's never been this hot for like, I don't know how long. But they're breaking records. They're setting high and gro highest grossing uh, records. Like, if you're WWE, you gotta be happy about this. You have to be happy about this. But this is great to hear. Now... Logan Paul, let's talk about Logan Paul. He will be on SmackDown, um, as I'm recording this on Friday. And you guys know the boxing match he did with KSI, I believe. Now, the boxing event was titled The Prime Card, where a YouTuber won the pay-per-view event by DQ after Dennis tried to put him in a guillotine choke and take him down. Now, he did a boxing match with, KS, with KSI. And all I could say is, all I could say is this. Um, KSI got screwed. I don't talk boxing that often, but he got screwed. But we know he's going to appear on SmackDown this Friday to confront Rey Mysterio because he called out Rey... Because um, Logan Paul called out Rey Mysterio and it looks like he's going to be eyeing that U.S. title. Now, I don't think he should win the title. Like, I honestly don't think that should be the case. I mean, it will be his first title, don't get me wrong. But I just don't see it happening. Because who's he going to defend it against? Santos Escobar, maybe? I don't know. It's just, I don't know what they're going to be doing. But, um, look, Logan Paul, he's great. We all know Logan Paul's a great in-ring performer. Like, he shut everybody up. He shut me up. He shut all of us up. But it's going to be really insane to see Logan Paul in a ring with Rey Mysterio, the legend himself. Now, speaking of which, um, Rey Mysterio was a guest on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani. And... He actually asked him about when he thinks he'll retire. And we we were talking about Sting announcing his retirement plans. Now we got Rey Mysterio. Now he says, I'm hoping that it can be within the next year and a half or two. So that's his answer. Like the next year and a half or two, Rey might think about retiring and hanging up the mask in the boots. Now, just a little fun thing. Um, 
He was asked his what is his Mount Rushmore of pro wrestlers pro wrestlers. He says Eddie Guerrero. Without Eddie, the whole growth of Lucha Libre would probably be different. You know, even with Mill Musk, Goddess was part of WWE. It was big. So Eddie, Hogan. So he said, I have to say Hogan, Flair, Eddie, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And if I would have to throw another one, I love The Rock. I love Stone Cold. But he would throw in Kurt Angle. That's another good name on the Mount Rushmore, except for Hogan. I would, I would replace Hogan with either Steve Austin or The Rock. But um, just to throw that out there, Ray, he's planning on possibly retiring for maybe two and a half years. The next two and next year and a half. So again, like I said with Sting, enjoy Rey Mysterio while you still can because you don't know how long he might be. Uh, you never know how long he's going to be here, like be in the ring. And then he's going to focus on his real life stuff. Now, a top WWE star is expected to make a return soon, and that person is Bianca Belair. Now, Bianca Belair, who had a year-long reign as the Raw Women's Champion, she lost the title to Asuka at Night of Champions, and she won the title, regained the title, but lost it to EO Sky because Bianca took some time off. Now, PW Insider reports that Bianca Belair will make her return very soon, and possibly as soon as Friday's episode of SmackDown, as the plan for her is to wrestle at Crown Jewel, which she is, um, if you notice, she is advertised for uh, Crown Jewel, if you look at their poster. Now, you know sometimes their poster can change, but um, that's a case where uh, we could see Bianca make her return. Now, speaking of Crown Jewel, several top stars might miss Crown uh, Jewel. Now, Gunther, EO, Becky, and Charlotte are being advertised for a house show, indicating that they won't be at Crown Jewel. Gunther is advertised to defend his title against Ricochet and Nakamura. Sky's slated to defend her title against Charlotte Flair. And Tiffany Stratton versus Becky Lynch is being advertised for a house show. Now, the card is always subject to change, but for now... They are not scheduled for Crown Jewel at the moment. So I'll keep you guys updated in case there's something that changes. But um, other than that, um, like I'm excited for Bianca because you know the saying, you'll miss me when I'm gone. Uh, I can't wait to see Bianca um, make her return. I really can't. I think she is freaking incredible. Like literally. Monday Night Raw took place at the Paycam Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I thought this was a really, really good show. Like, honestly, not as strong as last week's show, which I thought was one of the best. But I still thought it's for the second week in a, wo- in a row, WWE Raw has been a really, really good show. And I enjoyed... I enjoyed it. I thought this was, was fun. And we start things off with Sami Zayn. He kicks off the show and he welcomes everybody to the season premiere of Raw. 
Watch when it's winter is going to be another season premiere. And then when it's spring is going to be season premiere. And then summer is going to be season premiere. And then back in fall, back in... um, You know I'm joking, right? You know I'm joking. But, um... But he says it feels weird. It feels weird for him to be out in the ring by myself after it was announced on Friday that Kevin Owens was the person who was traded to SmackDown for Jay Uso. He says it's sad that our partnership ended this way, the way it did. But I'm also excited for Owens and myself. He says he's able to stand on his own two feet now, and show. And now he can show the world that he is a world heavyweight champion level superstar. He points out that Jay is the reason for Owens not being on Raw. And I would like to correct that because clearly it was Cody Rhodes because it was because of Cody Rhodes that Jay Uso is on Monday Night Night Raw, not um Jay Uso himself. Um now <clears throat> so he he confesses that while no one was happier to see him move brands, he struggles. He's struggling a little bit with it now. He says their undisputed tag team championship reign was tainted by dealing with the Judgment Day, and he has mixed emotions about Finn Balor and Damian Priest getting a rematch. He says the last year of his career has been has by far been the best one, and that's all thanks to the fans, which brings out Judgment Day. Um, and mis- they make their way to the ring. Balor points out that Zayn is alone. And Priest says, one thorn in the side of the Judgment Day has now been removed. And he gets heated, but Ripley calms him down and tells him, focus on tonight. Dom puts her over and says she will defeat Shayna Baszler. And by the way, Dom got booed. Then says Priest and Balor will regain their undisputed tag team titles. She points out Zayn looks lost. And they used to recruit the loss. They have a different plan for him. She says they want to get rid of him permanently. So they're, they're going to surround the ring when Jay Uso comes out. He runs down with a chair in hand. Gives one to Zayn. And the pair stand in the middle of the ring. Which leads to Bala telling his teammates to back down. And... He hops out of the ring, leaving Jay standing alone. So you can see some frustration viewing with uh, Sami Zayn because his best friend got traded to SmackDown. But I thought this was a good segment. I thought this was a really good uh, opening segment. Now backstage, we continue. We see Jay approach Sami and he he asks if the two of them are good. Now Zayn says that Owens... Should be the one who has his back. Rather than Jay. And while he wants to be happy for him. Jay has everything going for him. While he has nothing because of him. Jay says. I didn't realize you felt that way. But he assures him that. I'm still in your corner. Jay he walks off. Zane he, out of frustration. Pushes over a ladder. Like chasing at, before chasing after him. He apologizes for what he said, and he says, like, it's been a tough week. He says, I'm happy for you, and he offers his hand, and Jay opts to hug him instead. So they continue chatting in the back, which I thought that was nice. Our first match was a false cow anywhere match between Ricochet and Shinsuke Nakamura. 
This was fucking good. This was literally good, man. I, I enjoyed this match so much. I want to talk about this one spot. This one spot, which was the highlight of the entire match. You had Nakamura and Ricochet brawling by the, you know, by the uh, 100 level by the stairs. Not by, not on the outside, but right by the crowd. Ricochet's on this guardrail, right? He's on the guardrail. The fan is holding him. Ricochet does a fucking shooting star press off a guardrail. Like landing on Nakamura and the uh, security plants. This was possibly the most insane spot that I've ever seen. Like, and I know Ricochet is crazy. He's known for crazy high-risk maneuvers like that. But my God, that was amazing. That was one of the highlight. Like, I literally screamed, holy shit. Now, you had Nakamura. He won with the Kinshasa after he put, after Ricochet went through a table I love this match, and it was a much-needed win for Shinsuke Nakamura, coming out of back-to-back losses from uh, Seth Rollins. And and I'm going to say this. This is the Nakamura that I wanted to see. This is how Nakamura should be presented. Even Triple H himself said, this is the Shinsuke I wanted to see. Where the fuck has this Nakamura been? Where the hell has this Nakamura been? Like, this is what Nakamura should be. And I think this loss ain't going to hurt Ricochet. I think he looked great even in defeat. He really looked great. In my honest opinion. I thought this was good. We go backstage. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven confront Tegan Knox, Hanging out with Katana Chance, Caden Carter, and Nikki Cross. Now Knox asks her about how fast she can handle... Be- how fast she can hide behind uh, Piper... And Chelsea decides discretion is better, is the better part of valor. So Piper Niven, she comes out for her match against Natalia, which she, Natalia, she hands um a fan of sunglasses and the young kid actually grabbed her breast. Like one of the kids actually grabbed her breast. But we're not going to talk about that. But the match with Piper Niven and Natalia, it was all right. It did what it had to do. Um, Piper Niven got the win. And you know what's crazy? You want to know what's crazy? I saw a video of Natty training with Miyu Yamashita. And Miyu Yamashita was was by the crowd in NXT. And I found out about this. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, holy crap. What is she doing in the crowd in NXT? But seeing her train with Natty... Like, and I saw the video, and I'm like, where the hell has this Natty been? This is the Natty I want to see training with Miyu. I want to see her, like, go out there and just show the world why she's the best. Hopefully, we could see that. Now, after the match, Green and Niven beat down on Natty until Tegan Knox made the save. And pretty much, they're going to go after the tag titles. We go backstage, we see Judgment Day talking to strategy for their upcoming um for their respective matches tonight uh Rhea Ripley walks in and Damian Priest asks where where she's been and Ripley gives him a vague answer hmm a little dissension maybe 
And Dominic asks her if she needs him at ringside for her upcoming match with Shayna Baszler. And Ripley assures him that I'm going to be fine by myself. So there we go. So nice little tease with a little dissension with the Judgment Day. We had Seth Rollins coming out looking like the glasses he was wearing. My goodness. I don't know if he was trying to be Cyclops, but my God, it looks like the, the SOB was trying to be Cyclops. <laughs> like he was legitimately trying to be Cyclops. That's all I can say about that. He's trying to be Cyclops. He welcomes everyone to Monday Night Raw's, no, Monday Night Rollins, and addresses his confrontation with Drew McIntyre last week and what occurred when Damian Priest and Dominic showed, showed up. He explained that he was confused by McIntyre's actions. He calls him out to the ring to get some answers, and McIntyre comes out, and he explains that wanting Rollins at 100% for Crown Jewel doesn't mean He'll be babysitting Rollins for the next couple of weeks. And Rollins says, look, we can handle, I can handle my business on my own. And he questions if the same can be said for McIntyre. And McIntyre invites him to elaborate. Rollins calls for a video to be played when Adam Pierce was chatting with Ricochet. And it's the small details that I love. The small detail I loved about that segment was seeing Drew talking with Rhea Ripley. And right in the background, McIntyre claims that Ripley approached him and what they discussed is none of his is none of Rollins' business. He says Rollins should be worried about losing the World Heavyweight Championship. And he assures Rollins and Rollins assures McIntyre that this title ain't going nowhere. He says McIntyre has had many big successes, many failures, with the latter causing him to recruit some help from the Judgment Day. And he warns, and Rollins warns him not to get tangled up with the group. And McIntyre reiterates that he doesn't need anyone to fight his battles for him. He addresses Rollins' shortcomings with the bloodline. And Rollins becomes fired up. He tells McIntyre, just move on from that. And he says, unlike Rollins, he doesn't need a crutch. He doesn't need a crutch like a song. He said, now McIntyre says, his WrestleMania moment came in an empty arena. And he stepped up when WWE needed somebody to. He says, he captured lightning in the bottle at Clash of the Castle only to be screwed over by the bloodline. And then says that will happen once more at Crown Jewel when he becomes the new title holder. Now Rollins gets serious, and when Rollins gets serious, it's a great thing. Rollins says, I understand exactly how you feel, but all I'm hearing is a bunch of excuses. He says that won't get you anywhere. And when I beat you, at the upcoming premium live event. Um, it will be the best thing to happen to you. to Because he will have no one to blame. Except for himself. And he walks off. I thought this was great. I thought this was a great segment. Like. And everything McIntyre said was true. Like. Imagine competing in front of an empty arena with no fans. During a pandemic. 
carrying the show. It's rough. It's rough. And he had to and it's something that he'll never get. Like to win the title in front of a big audience. That's something that's gonna hurt so much. But everything he said was true. Everything he said was true. But I love this. And I, and I think this should be a great match at Crown Jewel. We might do a watch party. Keyword might. Depending if I have to work or not. If if I do, then I won't be able to watch it. So we'll, we'll see. Depending on my time. Um, We had Ludwig Kaiser taking on Johnny Gargano. This was a decent match. My takeaway from this was... Johnny got no reaction. He he literally got no reaction when he made his entrance. That's because we haven't seen what he can do. That's because we haven't seen uh, what Johnny is capable of. Now, Ludwig Kaiser, Ludwig Kaiser got the win over Johnny Gargano because of Giovanni Vinci. We're still doing the Imperium DIY feud because storyline-wise, Tommaso Ciampa is not cleared. And next week, Johnny Gargano is going to take on, I believe, Giovanni Vinci. And that's when, um, that's when Ciampa comes back. Or either Ludwig Kaiser again, but this time Ciampa comes back. And he gets payback. Because backstage, like just rewinding a little bit. No, 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 not, not really, not really. But Gunther was... We'll talk about Gunther in a second, but I, I, I just I'm all over the place right now. But I just hope with the DIY stuff, it is going to make people know who Johnny Gargano is, and that's how it should start before we eventually see how good Johnny Gargano could. We know how great Johnny Gargano is. It's just the casuals who don't know how great Johnny is. So hopefully with DIY, this could really reignite who Johnny Wrestling is. So, that's my takeaway from this. We go backstage. We see McIntyre talking with Sami Zayn. He warns him about about giving Jey Uso an, an instant second chance. And Zayn says they don't see eye to eye on him. And he tells McIntyre it's time to let the bloodline go. And he's the only one who thinks Jay hasn't changed. He says he knows how he feels and how hard it is to let the bloodline go. McIntyre says Zayn can't truly know how he feels given he's ever been world champion. So Zayn challenges him to a one-on-one match next week to prove himself in which McIntyre accepts. And I smell a heel turn coming a mile away. I, I just love how they're setting up this heel turn. It's fucking great. It's really great. It's coming. I like it. We had Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler to the surprise of... Nobody. To the surprise of nobody, this ended in a no contest. Um, like this ended in a no contest because Zoe Starks got involved, and um, all I could say about this is um, I mean the ending sucked, but it did set up what is about to be announced. Later during the show. So you have. Baszler. No. Ripley sends Starks colliding with Baszler. She. And Jax gets in the ring. 
Like, she um, gets attacked by Starks and Ripley. And Starks then kicks Jax out of the ring. And Zoe Stark stands tall. So, <clears throat> now we go, go backstage to Becky Lynch and Adam Pearce to make the NXT Women's Championship match against Indy Hartwell official. Now, backstage in the show, Indy did tell Becky, that is a title that I've never lost. So, she's going to get her rematch next week. In doing so, she also encountered Rhea Ripley. So, that's another tease of a possible match between the two. Now, this is where things get a little interesting. Zia Lee. We've seen Zia Lee last week. We've seen her again, which I'm really happy to see her on television. She walks in and asks, where's my title shot? And making it clear that it will be on her time. Like, And I'm like, Becky's a fighting champion. She says, all you have to do is ask. But on your time, you're asking for a title match. You should just get it right now. You know? But once that, once Zia Lee left, Jay Cargill shows up and she's eyeing the NXT women's title. I kept that in mind. And Becky tells her to get in line. So clearly, I think I know where they're going with this. Because we all know night one for Halloween Havoc is going to be uh, Becky Lynch defending against Lyra Valkyria. I think I know where they're going with this. And that's not the only time we saw Jay Cargill, not on Raw, but on NXT. We had the Intercontinental Championship on the line. Gunther taking on Bronson Reed. Big, meaty men slapping meat. 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 meat. This was fucking excellent. Gunther, let let me tell you about Gunther. Gunther never, never has a bad match. Just never. Ever since he won that Intercontinental Championship, he's been putting on excellent matches. Like, And this was Bronson Reed's, possibly his best match ever since coming back to WWE. And I honestly mean that wholeheartedly. This was one of his best matches. Like, There was one part where he did a superplex. And look, it would be a nice time for the ring to break, but... uh. That didn't happen, unfortunately, even though part of me wanted it to happen. But Gunther, once again, he retained his Intercontinental Championship against Bronson Reed. Excellent stuff between these two guys, which was one of the best matches on Monday Night Raw, in my honest opinion. Now, remember when I talked about Rhea Ripley and the Women's World Championship scene? So... Rhea Ripley comes in. She is irate. And pretty much Adam Pearce like, look, I'm the GM on Raw. You're going to do what I say. So at Crown Jewel, you're going to be defending your title against Shayna Baszler, Zoe Starks, Nia Jax, and Raquel Rodriguez in a fatal five-way. So that should be good. That should be really good. And then we get to my favorite segment. (laughs) My favorite segment on Monday Night Raw. Alpha Academy, they're training in the the gym. And Maxine Dupree is doing uh, plays with Otis. And you see Akira Tozawa. He's lifting the heavy two-pound dumbbells. And this leads to an encounter with the New Day. And 
Well, before we get to the new day, before we get to the new day, um, the new now they'd still tease that Gable wants the Intercontinental title, which I still believe Chad Gable has to be the one to beat Gunther for that Intercontinental Championship. It has to happen. Now, the New Day, they came out. They they thought about going after the tag titles. And, <laughs> oh my goodness, where do I even begin? So, we're going to have a match with the New Day and Alpha Academy, which should be great. And Akira Tozawa, he does, Arigato! Oh. <laughs> He's doing the he was doing the, the dances with the with Tazawa. the That's yes. nasty! Oh my god, Tazawa has already become my favorite act in WWE right now, just by that segment alone. That segment alone was the highlight for um for Monday Night Raw. I enjoyed Tazawa, man. Honestly, like yes, he he could be a comedic character, but I love him when he's serious, but that segment, it's already a meme. Like, right there. It's already a fucking meme. Like, him dancing... Like, him lifting dumbbells, being nasty with big pressure playing in the background. It can, like, you can pick any song and it'll fit perfectly. <laughs> like, and I'm being real when I say it. That was the best thing on that entire... Uh, my favorite segment for me. In the main event, we got the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles on the line. As... Jay Uso taking on no Jay Uso and Cody Rhodes taking on the Judgment Day for the tag talk, defending their tag titles. Um, it was a good main event, and and shot to the surprise, I said they ain't gonna hold those titles that long. And lo and behold, the Judgment Day regained the undisputed WWE tag team titles. Now I don't know what. And you want to know why? Because Jimmy Uso, whatever happened to the brand? Like, Jimmy Uso came on, came on Monday Night Raw, even though he's a SmackDown guy. And I know I'm nitpicking. I know I'm nitpicking, but it plays to the story. Jimmy Uso super kicked Jay Uso for the second time. First at SummerSlam and now on Monday Night Raw. And that's the second time in a row that Jimmy cost his brother Jay a win. And now he lost the titles because of that. So I can't wait to see how this story plays out. And clearly, now I know people are saying, well, it's too soon for Cody and Jay to drop the titles. But for me personally, I like I said, it wasn't even going to last that long. Like I knew it wasn't going to last that long. And I know everybody's going to say, what's the point? I could go on and on about, about this, but it's just... They weren't going to hold it that long. That That's the best way I could say it. They weren't going to hold those tag titles that long. Like, if even if... And, and what really gives it away for me is Alpha Academy and New Day, they, they want to challenge for the tag titles. Like, as much as I would like to see um, Cody and Jay take on New Day or Alpha Academy, I mean, it still would be a great match, but people want the heel and face dynamic. That's what the higher-ups will want, but... I was not surprised by the title change. It happened. It happened. And Judgment Day, they regained the belts. They got everything. They are dripped in gold. For how long is the better question? 
How long? Because somebody is going to lose their titles. Somebody. Permanently. But, um... Raw was a really good show. I actually enjoyed... Two times in a row, Raw has been a really good show. Now, we switch it over to NXT. The final build for the, um... Halloween Havoc two-night extravaganza. Now, we start things off with the bada-bing, bada-boom, battle royale. You had Damon Kemp and Drew Gulak, Hank and Tank, Briggs and Jensen, Idris, Enofe, and Malik Blade. They still don't have a tag team name. Um, Gallus, Creed Brothers, Garza, Carrillo, Chase U. OTM, Brawling Brutes, your standard Battle Royal, but there's one thing I did not like, and this is just me, I, I just don't like the rule that if one tag team is eliminated, then the team is eliminated. It would make more sense if it's just, or if one person from that tag team is eliminated, then the other, like, the others are still in, but once both teams are out, that's it. Just once the team's eliminated, that's it, it's over, it's done. But the order of elimination goes as follow. Kemp and Gulak got, got eliminated by Briggs and Jensen. Damon Kemp got eliminated in a matter of seconds. Um, Hank Walker and Tank Ledger, they got eliminated by Off the Mud, OTM. Briggs and Jensen got eliminated by Gallus Boys. You had Idris Enofe and Malik Blade, they got eliminated by the Brawling Brutes. You got Gallus eliminated by the Creed Brothers. The Brawling Brutes and Off the Mug got, well, inadvertently eliminated by Scripps, who, was, who wasn't even a part of the match. And it was the Creed Brothers and Chase U in the ring, but the refs were distracted because uh, Garza and Carrillo were over the top. They didn't see it. So they took the chance and they eliminated the Creed Brothers, which I thought that was a nice move. Eliminated both of them. Now, we had Chase U against Garza and Humberto, which they were the last two. And I thought this was pretty good. You had JC Jane and and um, Thea Hale with pom-poms in their hand, like cheerleaders cheering for Duke Hudson and Andre Chase. And I thought these two teams had a really good match. They had a really good... Like, the last part was the most important thing. The Battle Royal was just standard Battle Royal stuff. But Chase U, they got the win thanks to the Kree brothers costing Garza and Carrillo the match. So they will be challenging um, the family, Tony D'Angelo and Stax Lorenzo, for the NXT Tag Team titles at night one of Halloween Havoc. But we all know who's winning that. It's not as much as I want Chase U to win that, it's going to be the family. But I would be shocked if Chase U. Wins the tag titles. We got a video from Blair Davenport. She pretty much challenged Gigi Dolan to a match at Halloween Havoc. And Gigi Dolan actually responded later during the show. And she spin the wheel, made the deal, and the match is going to be a lights out match. So that, that should be fun. That should be fun between these two. But that's not the only spin the wheel make the deal match we're gonna have. But um, I th I thought this was okay. 
we get another vignette for Brian Pillman Jr. Oh, wait, wait. It's not Brian Pillman Jr. It's it's not. Oh, okay, I, it's the wrong name. Of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. It's Lexus King, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. I got you. I got you. Um, so we get another Lexus King vignette. Now, he's talking about hearing everyone everyone's positive stories about Brian Pillman and lying that he loved his dad too, but he never knew him. So pretty much he will be debuting next week at Halloween Havoc. I am looking forward to seeing Lexus King's debut. Already I'm getting used to the name. And, and you know what's crazy that I'm saying this? Like, I love how WWE has presented um, Brian Pillman Jr. right now. Now under this new name, Lexus King. And I can't wait to see how he does next week at Halloween Havoc. So that's going to be fun. And just, this is where he should have been a long time ago. That's just me. Now we go to Carmelo Hayes. Notice how I'm saying that. Carmelo Hayes. He comes out. He's talking about being in the ring with John Cena and standing shoulder to shoulder with The Undertaker. Feels like I'm living in a video game. And you could tell this was a nice moment for uh, Carmelo Hayes last week. Just being in the ring with two icons. Now, Baron Corbin, he comes out. He tells Melo, you're being a fanboy. And he's not going to sit and listen for t for 10 minutes. He thought Hayes was different, but he was wrong. And fans should be in the, st should be in the stands, not in the ring. He walked by Shawn Michaels' office and he saw him sitting with John Cena for an hour. And maybe if he concentrated on being a superstar rather than a fan, he still have his title. Now Dijak comes out and he says that they should be focused on what he's going to do to them tonight. Then he tells Hayes all the showboating he does won't matter when he's looking into his eyes while they're looking in the ring to well they're in the ring together Corbin informs him informs Dijak that no one is looking into his eyes because he's wearing sunglasses okay i thought that i thought that line was actually pretty funny i thought that line was pretty funny and um And Dodrick says, I see Corbin standing in the back crying and complaining about not having his hand shaken. And Corbin asks Dodrick, what are you yelling about? And Hayes tells him that although he hasn't been on a jersey, he'll have one made specially for him. Elia appears on the Titan Tron and he addresses all three men, the NXT champion does. He says, they should be focusing on their match rather than talking. And he informs him that he will be watching their triple threat number one contenders match closely. He said Cody Rose made one last decision before stepping aside as special general manager. And that was to make it a fatal four-way. And who shows up? <laughs> who shows up? Trick Williams shows up. Just playing the song in the background. Oh my God! Uh huh. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. 
Uh huh. I like it. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> oh my god. Now, this shocks of uh, Carmelo Hayes. Now, Trick Williams is super over right now. And Dijak and Corbin, they're quick to point out Williams's betrayal of Hayes and Williams tells Hayes that, look, being added to the match changes nothing. Hayes looks to speak, but Corbin cuts him off and says, him being added to the match changes everything. He says Williams went into business for himself. And he tells Hayes that Williams did it all behind his back, trying to plant the seed. Um, Hayes tells Dijak that, and Corbin that I won't let them throw him off his game. And says he's willing to put anyone down to end up back on top. Dijak asks if that applies to Williams. And he stares down at Hayes. Corbin and Dijak go after um after Hayes and Williams, but they take them down, which I thought this was a really great um segment. But I want to continue with the Hayes and Williams stuff. So later during the show, backstage in the locker room, um Carmelo Hayes confronted Trick Williams about blindsiding him earlier tonight. And Hayes says that he thought they agreed for Williams to recapture the North American Championship and for him to go back, to go get back his NXT Championship. Now, Williams explains that, well, Hayes, that Hayes said that, but they never agreed on it. He said that John Cena gave him some advice last week and he wanted another taste of gold. He said... Hayes should know the feeling. And he apologizes for not telling him. Um, and Hayes says, look, they're now forced to go against each other. And he has to do what he has to do. And Williams says, no matter what happens, they will still be Trick Mellow Gang. Yeah, yeah, about that. About that. Later during the show, like, just, again, I want to continue with the Trick... Williams stuff. All of a sudden, like later, we see Trick Williams being laid out, and Carmelo Hayes comes in and he's asking, "What happened? What happened to What happened to Trick Williams?" And they checked up on him, and it literally ruled out Trick Williams being in that four way. So now it's now back to a three way. And judging by how they're booking this, and I look, I'm looking at it. It's like they're telling the story of Triple H betraying Shawn Michaels. And I see a heel turn coming from Carmelo Hayes. I feel like Carmelo Hayes is the one who attacked Trick Williams because maybe he maybe he's a little jealous, wink wink, of the spotlight on him. But I digress. They're, they're retelling the story with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. But um, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to happen. You and look, and look, there's nothing else for Carmelo Hayes to do on NXT. He He's done pretty much everything to do on NXT except fight Trick, Trick Williams. But we definitely got a story in the wings right there. But, um, I mean, it did what it had to do, so... It's the 
who attacked Trick Williams Mystery, which is probably going to be revealed on night two for uh, Halloween Havoc. We we all know it's going to happen. We all know the reveal is coming in on week two. Now, the women's breakout tournament, let's rewind a bit. We had Carmen Petrovic against Jada Parker. This was first round, and Carmen Petrovic and Jada Parker, two ladies who I think have some potential. They have big potentials. They're still green. You could tell they're green, but they put on a solid match, a solid match. With Car- and I actually like Carmen Petrovic's entrance. Like she comes out with a katana, and Jada Jada Parker, she she's really good too. I, I got to give her some credit as well. But um, Carmen Petrovic, she won. She had the cyclone kick, and she did like. It looked like a code of silence submission, which caused Jada Parker to tap out, and then she will be taking on Lola Vice. That is a match I am looking forward to seeing next week. I think that's going to be great. But um, I thought they had a solid match. We had a really good match with uh, Lyra Valkyria and Tegan Knox, with Tegan Knox taking the elf from Lyra Valkyria because she got distracted by. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. Welcome back to NXT, Chelsea Green. So after the match, you got the four ladies that will be competing possibly next week, if I'm correct, for the tag titles. They fight to the back. Um, Valkyria grabs the mic, and she told the world that no one would come between her and her NXT Women's Championship match at Halloween Havoc. Um, She says Becky Lynch saw something in her back in Ireland that led to... That led her to where she is today. And while she took the opportunity to become the first ever Irish NXT Women's Champion. She was the one who taught her that when one door closes, another one opens. Now, Becky Lynch appears on the Titan Tron and says, I remember being sent videos by their late friend Dean of, Val- of Valkyria. She... She says, while Valkyria is really, really good, she's even better. And when you come for her title, she comes for the reason she leaves the house. She says she has to fight for it like her life depends on it in order to make her daughter proud. And she welcomes her to the big time. And I, I thought the post-match uh, promo was really good to really get them hyped for their match next week. And, oh, wait, I'm just, I, I, I want to talk about the ending so badly, but we have to get through, we have to get through um the rest of the stuff that happened on NXT. But I, I love the match itself, and I love the post-match promo from uh, Valkyria. Um, we had Shotzi taking on Kiana James, and... I thought this was a, another solid match. Not bad. With Shotzi getting the win thanks to Roxanne Perez. Because Roxanne stopped uh, Kiana James from getting her purse. And we go back... Well, before we go to uh, Dom. Just to carry on with that stuff. Uh, Shotzi and Roxanne, they're walking backstage. And they encounter the wheel Gigi Dolan unveiled earlier tonight. Now, Perez asked Shotzi if she could spin the wheel and make the deal with Kiana James at Halloween Havoc. And as the host, she encourages her to do so. And the wheel lands on Devil's Playground match. So, 
That should be pretty fun. We should see, um, I think this should, like I said, I think this should be really good. Now, rewinding, we see Dom and Nathan Frazier brawling, and it comes to the ring. Rhea comes in to intervene, pulls Dom out of the ring, as Frazier was looking to go for the Phoenix Splash. So, it looks like, I don't know if they're setting this up for night two. It looks like we're going to have Nathan Frazier challenge Dominic Mysterio for the NXT North American Championship at night two for Halloween Havoc. I think that is the direction they're going with. And look, I think it should be a really good match. I think this should be a really, really good match. I mean, Dom had an excellent match with Dragon Lee, and he didn't even need Rhea Ripley. So I think he could do it by himself again, but beggars can't be choosers. We had Ariana Grace making her return. Um, She was supposed to take on Jakara Jackson, but unfortunately she... I think she suffered a wrist injury, which caused her not to be clear to compete. And the person that replaced her was Brinley Reese. Uh, the match, I thought, okay. You could tell Bryn Brinley Reese is still green. Ariana Grace was, was the clear-cut winner for this match. And all I could, like, and you know what else I noticed? Brinley Reese didn't even come out to her own gear. She actually had Sol Ruka's uh, ring gear. Like, I just caught on to that. And, um... And now next week she's gonna... Oh, I forgot who she's gonna face in the, uh... In the semifinals. Thankfully, I have my notes from last week. <laughs> Thankfully, I have my notes. And it will be Ariana Grace taking on Kalani Jordan. So, pretty much, I feel like the finals for the women's is going to be Kalani Jordan against Lola Vice. I think that is the direction that they're going to be going with. In the main event, we had Carmelo Hayes, Dijak, and Baron Corbin. And I thought the main event was excellent. I thought this was a great main event. Like, when was the last time you hear you got a, a Corbin match? And you hear this is awesome chance. Like, rarely never. And Carmelo Hayes, he defeated... Like, the finish was great. Um, He caught Dijak with the um, end of days. Carmelo Hayes catches uh, Corbin with the nothing but net. I believe he pins Dijak or Corbin. And night two, he will. we got round three. We got the rubber mat. We got Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov for the NXT Championship at night two. There should be a stipulation for this. Maybe two out of three falls, I guess. Now, after that, we go backstage. We see Lyra watching the action from the locker room. She pulls a picture of herself and Becky Lynch from the locker and rips it up, telling Lynch that her NXT Women's Championship is hers. Now, this is where it gets even better. When she storms off, we see Jay Cargill appearing on the television screen as Valkyria, wa as Valkyria walks away and she points at her watch and she's literally teasing, it's almost that time. If I have to throw out a theory, here, here's my theory. I think that Jay Cargill is going to be coming to Halloween Havoc confront Becky Lynch after she retains her NXT women's title 
And Jay Hargill wants the next shot. She's next in line because she's that bitch. And I could definitely see Jay Cargill being the one dethroning Becky Lynch. I think that would be the right outcome if you ask me. And if you want that star power right there, there it go. you start right there. She doesn't have to stay on NXT that long. Just do what Kevin Owens did. So I love how they ended it with a cliffhanger. So that got a lot of people talking. And I, I can't wait to see. It's literally telling you to tune into Halloween Havoc. That's what it's telling you. SmackDown Live took place at the Frost Bank Center in San Antonio, Texas, which was sold out. It was a, a sellout show, and I thought it was a good show overall. I thought this was a pretty good episode. Little bit of wrestling, which honestly, it's a wrestling show. You need some, there's only 15 minutes of it, with the main event being a really good main event. But it's furthered some of the stories that we're building towards either at Crown Jewel or what we might see in the future. So we kick things off with Paul Heyman. He introduces himself and he says he has some big shoes to fill in the bloodline this week. He asks the fans if they saw what Jimmy Uso did on Monday Night Raw and then says he took Roman Reigns' advice to cause his brother Jay and Cody the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles um, to the Judgment Day. He then addresses Reigns' upcoming championship match against L.A. Knight at Crown Jewel and says, although it may be hard to believe, he, he's like everyone in the crowd. He says that despite being a New Yorker in Texas, they are all fans of Knight, but November 4th will be the last time he competes in a ring. L.A. Knight's music hits. His music uh, comes... He comes out and he tells him that if he wants to make noise, then he should go ahead because that's all he's been doing. He calls out Reigns as Heyman looks to leave the ring, but Knight calls Heyman back inside and questions, where is Roman Reigns? He said, I heard Heyman makes a, making a bunch of idle threats and asks, what's Reigns going to do to him if he's not here? He tells Heyman that he better put him down for good if he's going to take shots at him. Then says he won't stop until he owns Reigns and the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. Um, he says Reigns should be scared because he should be scared because he will take his titles off of him as fast as he has risen up in WWE. Um, he informs Heyman that himself and Reigns will have a contract signing next week for their match. Now, that that episode of SmackDown is going to be preempted because, I don't know if it's, it's going to be preempted because of an event that's going on. Maybe it's an MLB playoffs. That could be one of the big reasons as to why they got preempted um, to FS1. And he gives Heyman a message for Reigns. Make it clear whose game this is. L.A. Knight. <clears throat> yeah. And he just hands the mic to, like, he just forcefully hands it in the face of, not in the face, in the chest of uh, Paul Heyman. And I thought this was a really good uh, segment. I thought this did what it had to do. 
Um, like it did its job. Now, I, I liked it, and now, and I know people are gonna be asking why is LA Knight getting an opportunity? Well, the guy is fucking over number one, and they're gonna fear. Oh, Reigns is gonna bury him. He's gonna bury um. L- I don't think LA Knight's going to be buried. I think he's going to put on a really good performance at Crown Jewel. He ain't beating Roman Reigns, but he's not going to be buried. He's already proven that he's a mega star. So I think he's not going to lose anything if he loses to Roman Reigns. I think he'll look great in defeat. But I thought this segment did his job. I thought it did a really good job setting up um, their Reigns and LA Knight for Crown Jewel. So that should be fun. We had Montez Ford taking on Santos Escobar. I thought this was a fun match. I thought this was a really fun match with uh, Montez Ford winning by holding the tights. And this is a good way to establish the heel character for heel characters for the Street Profits. And after the match, they get, the Street Profits beat down on Escobar until Carlito. And I'm going to be real when I say this. I prefer his old theme over his new one. Even, like I say this every time. And he comes down. He makes the save. And the Street Profits just retreat. And yeah, his I still don't like the theme. Other than that, I think the match itself was really fun. We go backstage. We see LWO. Rey Mysterio and Zelina Vega uh, join a check on Santos. And... He says that he's going to take care of Logan Paul and Vega asks if she want if he wanted backup. And Ray says, look, I'll be fine. I'm going to handle this by myself. And that's, and I might as well just go through with it real quick. Logan Paul, later during the show, Logan Paul comes out and he's bragging about his win over Dylan uh, Dennis. And I, and I want to make an error correction. I'd say KSI, that was a different story. Um, but Logan Paul beat the shit out of Dylan Dennis. And he says he's not here tonight for Ray Mysterio. Um He says he's already defeated him once in his first match, in his first WWE match, and that was at WrestleMania 38 when he teamed with the Miz to take on the Mysterios. And he said Dominic Mysterio was um Still, his dad, well, his son, Roman Reigns actually showed up to wrestle, which was true. Like, I state facts 100% to that. And LA Knight didn't have a job, which was, which I think was at the time when he was in NXT, if I'm correct. I'm trying to make sure my facts are correct. Either he was in NXT or he was um, doing that shitty Max Dupree character. And, um... He says a lot has changed since then, including being engaged and owning a drinking company. He says he's figured out everything and he knows who he is, a WWE superstar. Now he reiterates, I'm not here for Rey Mysterio. But he because he has something that he wants. The United States Championship. He then challenges him to a match at Crown Jewel, which Ray comes out. And Ray says, you know, Paul, you remind me of my son, Dominic. You have the amazing natural ability 
and you're dripping with passion. You have an incredible career ahead of you, but you got a big mouth. That last part is true because that's the one thing I can relate to Dom and uh, Logan Paul. They both got big mouths. Now, he says he thinks Paul needs some humbling. And the last time I had to kick some sense into Dominic, he was reluctant to do so. He said he won't feel the same about beating down Paul. And he says that if you want the United States Championship, then I'll give you that opportunity at Crown Jewel. He says down, he sits down his title in the middle of the ring. He lays it in the middle of the ring. And he offers his hand to Ray. Paul offers his hand to Ray. He shakes the hand and Ray reluctantly shakes it and he steps back. And I could tell you from my by watching it, Logan Paul looked so happy that he's going to be wrestling um, Ray Mysterio. And I think that's going to be a great match. I honestly think it's going to be a great match. And look, I do not want to see a situation where they put the title on Logan Paul and he's not there to defend the title. I don't I don't want that to happen. You don't need two absentee champions on your show. You don't. And I think it would be a great like like here's the thing. Logan Paul will be a champion someday, but he has to show up. He has to show up at work. That's what I want. I want to see Logan Paul show up and be a defending fighting champion. Because he's got the heel role, really. He he could be a heel. He knows how how much of a hateable guy. Like, I know how much people can hate Logan Paul. But the guy can fucking um, get under your skin. And I like it. And I think he's going to have a really great match at Crown Jewel. Rewinding. We had um, a video of Pretty Deadly at a spa. Just celebrating their victory last week. When the Brawling Brutes came in, talk about ruining a, ruining someone's spa right there. And they attacked them, blindsided them, and put their face in one of the spas. And it looks like the feud with them ain't over yet. So that's pretty much what they told me. We then get to John Cena. John Cena comes out and he says, It's been a rough day. And says, I got hit with a ha- with some pretty harsh truth today. Um, he says he feels the need to be honest with the fans and with himself. And he says, I talked about uh, Reigns. Reigns is streak. He talks about Reigns is streak as a champion, and um, he says I have a streak of my own going. 2,002 days since I've won a televised match. He says the last match that came in 2018. And he's been talking lots about retirement, which the crowd did not like to hear because, look, we had Sting announcing his retirement plan. Now John Cena? That's like two gunshot. That's like having two bullets right there straight to the chest. And you don't like to hear that word. Now, he says he believes in himself, the fans, and the beauty that is this madness. He says he believes he can still go and still bring it. And says the time is now to turn things around. And he says it'll be a bad night for the 
for the next person who walks through the curtain because they will get smoked. He throws his hat, takes his shirt off, waiting on who's going to answer, and Solo Sokoa answers. So they brawl, and Cena hits a stinger splash. You didn't think I caught on to that. And Jimmy Uso comes in with a super kick, hits him with a super kick, Sokoa fires off on stomps when a masked person pulls Jimmy out of the ring and the masked figure was none other than Jay Uso who got a big, big reaction and you got security holding him back. Jimmy's like doing timeout, timeout, timeout. Let me just catch my breath, timeout. Now he's now we go to Solo Sokoa and John Cena uh, Solo was trying to go for the Samoan spike. John Cena avoids it, hits the attitude adjustment, and that's how the segment ended, which I thought was a really good segment. But it followed up what happened in Nick Aldis's office. Now, after the commercial break, you see Nick Aldis and Jay arguing when Adam Pierce walks in as Aldis hands Jay a $10,000 fine. And Pierce says it's only fair that you do the same for Jimmy because he came to our show and he's a part of your roster. So all this call for security to have Jay escorted out and Pierce pushes back and says, look, I'm going to, I'm going to walk him out myself. And all this says, escort both of them out of this, out of the building and Pierce says let the games begin which has to be a tease of war games now i hope it's not like brand like team raw versus team smackdown war games like we don't need brand supremacy that's played out that's played out we don't need it like if you're going to do brand supremacy have it raise the stake a little bit like literally raise the stake what i would do I would literally have that the winner gets the ne- gets the um, advantage of the draft picks. Like, raise the stake if you're going to do a brand versus brand thing. Because right now, it's always been about brand supremacy. Just raise the stake. And I hope Triple H plays his card right. Because you know that's played out. And we all know that. We had Cameron Grimes and Dragon Lee teaming up to take on um to take on Grayson Waller and Austin Theory. I thought this was a fine match with um with Austin Theory and Grayson Waller getting the win. Really not much I can add to it. That's all I can say. I, I don't really have much I can add to this match. It was fun. We go to Kathy Kelly. She sits down with Kevin Owens. And the arena was empty. Like, she sits with KO in an empty arena. And she asks Owens, how does it feel being separated from Sami Zayn when you move to SmackDown? And Owens says, look, it didn't feel great. He says they've experienced everything together in the last 20 years. And it hurts after losing the undisputed tag team titles without getting a rematch. So it's bittersweet for him. And Kelly then addresses all of his um, all of his uh, old and new co-workers. And Owen says he absolutely has 
history with the bloodline. He lists off several talents he hasn't been in the ring with and says, my goal is to make sure the people know that this is the Kevin Owens show, which I thought was a nice sit-down interview. And it did what it had to do. We go to our main event, which was for the WWE Women's Championship match, which was for the Women's Championship. EO Sky defended her title against um, Charlotte Flair. I thought they had a really good match, really good stuff between these two. And I love the ending. I thought the ending was great. Now, Charlotte had the match won with the spear. She cut EO in half of the spear. She had the match won, but Bailey put EO's leg on the rope. The ref didn't see that. So the ref saw that EO's leg was on the rope. Charlotte looked like a possessed monster who wanted to just attack Bailey. So she's going after Bailey. And Dakota Kai slips the women's title on uh in the ring. Dakota distracts the ref. Charlotte goes for the spear. She connects it, but her head hits the title, which gives Io the win, and ret- and she retained the title, which, look, this was the right outcome. Like, I was fearing that Io was going to drop the title to Charlotte, and thankfully that did not happen. Thankfully it didn't happen. Now, after the match, Damage Control came out. No, not Damage Control came out. Damage Control attacked Charlotte Flair when Bianca Belair, Bianca's music hit, she came back, and she provided Flair with a hand, with a hand in her return to WWE. She attacks Damage Control. She didn't attack Dakota Kai because Dakota Kai is still not cleared uh, to compete. Now, she was about to hit EO with the KLD, but... Bailey saved EO, but Bailey paid the consequence and she gets hit with the KOD and Bianca and like Bianca and Charlotte, they stood tall to close out the show, which I thought was good. It's great to see Bianca back. And it's funny now that I think about it, it's funny when I think about it, Bianca Belair is a baby face and... Montez Ford, Montez Ford is a, is a heel. So it will not be, it will not be long. It will not be long when we see a heel Bianca Belair. I feel like it's going to happen at some point. Like, I just hope that it doesn't have to deal with Charlotte becoming the champion and we do... Charlotte and Bianca, which, look, quite frankly, that is the biggest match. That is the biggest match and um, for WrestleMania because I definitely see that with a title being on the line. So, like, but I think we're going to get Bianca taking on Bayley. That's going to lead to Bianca challenging Io. I don't know if it's going to be at Crown Jewel depends because like they say um we don't know if EO's going to be advertised but we'll see but anyway I enjoyed the show and I thought this was a really fun episode but until then until then guys I'm getting the heck out of here thank y'all so much for this episode I really appreciate it 
know where to find me on my socials twitter shino d phoenix instagram instagram cool man sip at cyp um let's see kick and twitch shino uh shino phoenix like the facebook page no one's ready for wrestling tiktok shino d phoenix youtube shino d phoenix and i will see you guys next time for the next episode of no one's ready for wrestling so until then take care be safe support wrestling as much as you can and this phoenix flies off i'll talk to y'all later peace out